I, I do I just don't I don't see how our faith could have grown the way it did if we just stayed in that skepticism. Like there's been great skeptics throughout the course of the faith that have really defined doctrine and done amazing things. Like, absolutely. But if we would have just stayed in skepticism of like, well, do we really think the 12 actually saw the resurrected Jesus or was it kind of Jesus letting them know he mm. defeated death by kind of coming to them a little bit in their thought life, which then psychologically helped them to then do the work he wanted them to do, yeah. right? Like, no, eventually it was just like, no, the way they're saying it, they ate fish with him. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to believe they ate fish with him. He walked through a wall. I'm going to believe he walked through a yeah. wall. Right. Because if Jesus is who he says he is and can transcend all of this stuff, why couldn't he do that? Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here with Brad Pierron and Aaron Richards. Yeah. Today hey, is Dan. going to be a party, guys. So we had such good feedback about uh, one of our shows, and we had mm -hmm. so much fun doing the show in the Eucharist a few episodes ago. We decided to make it a little mini-series, and so we're just going to talk about the Eucharist some mm -hmm. more, yeah. which is always an exciting thing. Right, Aaron? Uh there's nothing I love more than the source and summit of Christian faith. <laughs> so much energy coming through. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, before we jump into our content Amen. for today, let us pray. Brad, yeah. you want to take it? I can. Yeah, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of yourself in the Eucharist. Thank you, Jesus for being present to us in all ages. And we pray today, Lord, that as we talk about you and your presence, that you would make your presence known to yes. us recording this show and all those listening to this show. Because Jesus, at the end of the day, this show is all about you. So Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 The Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So if you're joining us for the first time, Beyond Damascus is all about allowing our encounter experience with Jesus uh, to be propelled into a life of mission. That just like St. Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, we want to live a life that is like Paul's, where he encounters Jesus and then is deployed on a life of radical mission. Mm -hmm. And we just got done, kind of we're wrapping up at this point, a summer of mission. We had an incredible summer with um, you know 6,000 young people who went through mm -hmm. Catholic youth summer camp this summer. Mm -hmm. what, what were maybe some of your guys' highlights from this summer? Any testimonies or exciting moments mm -hmm. that, that you witnessed? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, well, I, I oversee the missionaries that serve those 6,000 young people, right? And so we had 250 missionaries this year. And uh, just, uh, it, it's a testimony that I think just speaks magnitudes to what happens in the young people's lives as well as the young adults' lives is I was talking at our closing ceremonies to just a couple of the missionaries that I hadn't met um, until they came onto site for the first time for training. So I was talking to them at closing ceremonies at the end of the summer. The first time I met them was at training at the beginning of the summer. And just as we were talking, I'm like, this is just a whole different person. <laughs> like, like even the way they were speaking, the yeah. confidence that they had, the um, just the ways that they made eye contact, like all of the, the markers of a life that's been impacted by Jesus they were yeah. carrying. Mm -hmm. And I was just so touched by the fact that the Lord is working powerfully over the course of each of these weeks to touch young people and the people that are stepping in to serve are also being blessed. So just this conversation I was having with two missionaries at closing ceremonies, I just kept letting them talk because I was like, that's so different than the first time we met. That just defines one of the premises of, of kind of our show, right? That mission mm -hmm. actually helps us grow in holiness. Yes, so that for sure. From that encounter, when I go on mission, uh, as I'm on mission, mm -hmm. I grow into deeper encounter, and right. deeper holiness, and yeah. I'm transformed into Jesus, who is mission himself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, our missionaries, they come to serve, but they realize in serving, mm -hmm. they're transformed. Yes, absolutely. Which always mm -hmm. happens. Sometimes mm -hmm. I... Sometimes I, I question whether like our uh, work of mission is too much, mm -hmm. and then I'm reminded of the fact that actually, yeah. you know, I need to stay rooted to the fact that this is formative. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> like, yes. It's really good. And there is there is a tension there too. I think because there the um, yeah because it, it's actually at the moment that we feel like something's too much that we stretch ourselves to having to trust in Jesus. And now, of course, we don't want to go so far as to where we are uh, drowning and can't see Jesus. But even if we are drowning and can't see him, apparently he reaches his hand down and brings you back to walk on water. So I don't say. know where the line's at, but um, it is beautiful to see that all of the work, which is 
abundant. Like our missionaries put in, I mean, more hours than any position I've ever seen, I think over the summer. And, um, I was just blessed to see their transformation. And of course you would just imagine that a young person seeing them transform in that way probably then transforms the young person too. Yeah. I think sometimes it's like, when you think about summer camp, you don't think about all the crazy operations that go on behind it, right? Like mm-hmm. that you have, mm-hmm. we have 500 kids on campus all summer long at any moment and they're middle schoolers and high schoolers. And so then there's all the, like the medical needs they have, right, all right. The, the medicine, all the meals you have to feed them, all of the, like <laughs> the little kids having a hard time with homesickness, all of that that goes into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it, it does stretch our missionaries in a, in a crazy way. We, we serve all the food, um, for all these meals, I was calculating. I think we do close to 120,000 meals just on the main campus alone <laughs> uh, during the course of nine weeks at camp, which is no small Amazing. feat in and of yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your one of your highlights this so summer? So I had a I had a great experience. This reminded me of some good old times in youth ministry. Oh boy. There, this was probably four or five weeks into camp, and our middle schoolers uh, generated a very strange obsession with a sweet potato. <laughs> they found that looked like a seal. Oh, yes. This happens. Middle schoolers are the weirdest so they, they so are. They, so They're they, different creatures. creatures. So they called the seal Mr. Seal. Well, they called it the potato Mr. Yeah. Seal and um, and generated just a, a beautiful a beautiful kind of story behind this creature. The backstory. And our media staff did such a great job. <laughs> they, they decided to go out and to film like a dramatic series about the life and death of Mr. Seal. <laughs> it was it was just like, it was youth ministry at its most perfect, crystallized, refined. <laughs> it was just great. I love that the power of God showed up all it summer <laughs> and Aaron's highlight was <laughs> Mr. Seal. Seal. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate the, the sweet potato that became it. I just, did anyone eat the sweet potato? Yeah, it got smashed, of course. Oh, well, yeah, well, the, the, of course. Well, the best part, I think, is that middle schoolers keep you from taking yourself too seriously, you know? Because at the end of the day, like, there's so many people that come onto site, they're like, all uh, oh, these lives are being transformed. It's like, yep, and we let middle schoolers walk around with a sweet potato that they were convinced. <laughs> <laughs> was a seal no, all week long, and that proves awesome. that it's actually the Lord. You know, well, that it's and Dan, actually. The and Dan, you were mentioning all the all the stuff that we have. You know, the the logistics that we have to work through. I had a great. It's just fun the kind of conversations you can have when you're when you're involved in an organization who operates in dependency on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was having a, a summer end review with our with our medical staff coordinator. Yeah. And uh, Tiffany and I were, were, were talking and we're like, you know, we should probably, we need to, we need to update our standing protocol for how to deal with kids who after resting in the Holy Spirit feel various degrees of like, uh, I don't know. Emotions. Oh, well, <laughs> emotions or physical effects of like, I'm dizzy or I can't, can't walk. Or, sure, like, sure. You know, how many... How many legitimate organizations have said that? Yeah, put, yeah, yeah. To put a policy. How do you have policies around being and drunk in the Holy built, Spirit? Built medical, <laughs> built medical protocol about dealing with middle schoolers. Or, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think I was dizzy as a middle schooler anyway, and then if you add in resting in the Especially Spirit, when it, it's ninety degrees outside. Yeah, probably so. That's yeah. awesome. I think some of my highlights were just the. Great uh, well, I just I, I love Fridays. We have all the campers give testimonies, yeah. and I I noticed a few different things this year with camper testimonies. Number one, I, I noticed that our middle middle schoolers needed this summer probably more than I've ever noticed. It, it, I was shocked at how many, and I don't know if it's post-pandemic, how many were testifying to loneliness, sadness, depression, anxiety, mm. that there was just this elevation of them coming to camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was shocked specifically because it was the middle school audience that was really testifying to this need to to feel loved and to experience love mm-hmm. and and to have experienced that through Jesus in the Eucharist mm-hmm. and over and over and over again them testifying to this experience of love with Jesus in the Eucharist that Jesus uh, um, would speak to them they would hear his voice or they mm-hmm. would experience his presence and uh, mm-hmm. and then on the high schooler level just this uh, maturity which was really refreshing to see kind of our mm. campers, as they've grown up through the program, this Christian maturity that they have and an acknowledgement of, of who God is and this readiness to be on mission, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which was really exciting to see. My favorite testimony of the summer um, came from our, our Minnesota camp, Northwoods, yeah. and um, there was this 
uh, high schooler that was helping with the camp, and she had heard that um, some of the miracles that have happened uh, at Damascus, and one of the miracles that continuously happen here are just that self-harm scars um, have been, as someone's prayed with, uh, self-harm scars will disappear off their bodies. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, f- I feel like we've seen that at least... You say uh, that as if it's he, not a big deal. I know, <laughs> I know, it's yeah. It's like crazy, that not right? become too regular, yeah. But, but that it's happened multiple times, and this girl Praise had heard about it, and she yeah. went to her mm-hmm. counselor, and she said, hey, I, I, I heard at Damascus when they're prayed with for, for self-harm scars, sometimes they'll disappear. And uh, she had self-harm scars all over her body, and when she was being prayed with, the, mm-hmm. like, all of the scars disappeared That's off of her amazing. body, which yeah. is just, it just blows my mind that Thank like God, and mm-hmm. it's not about the self-harm scars disappearing, but it's about the fact that God loves us so much that mm-hmm. he wants to not only heal the heart, but he even mm-hmm. takes away, he wipes yeah. away the mm-hmm. past that may, the body had a residue of that past brokenness. And the Lord's yeah. like, I'll just get rid of that yeah. as well. Yeah. I like that point too, because it is, it's, it's about the fact that Jesus is intimately involved in our circumstances. Like that's the power of all of that is that you have these young people that are being um, told this good news, this gospel about this figure, Jesus, who wants to have a relationship with them, who's close to them. And as a young person, how do you know when people are close to you, when they show up in your life, right? And these mm. are ways that Jesus has been showing up in their lives and yeah. in, in an evidential way is proving himself to be as close to them as they've been told he is. And that's such a grace. And I I said that while you were saying it, but I I never want that to become too regular where I lose the wonder and awe towards it because it is absolutely unbelievable. And and, and there's probably a bunch of people listening right now who are like, that's not believable. Correct. Yes. It is actually the definition (laughs) of unbelievable. It is. It's because it's miraculous. And um, we believe in, we believe in a lot of unbelievable things in the Christian life. And so, yeah. Well, so I was at a big conference in Texas last year and, um, this, you know, this like superstar, like healer and like guy that goes around that he's a, he's just a great, like uh, Protestant revivalist. And he goes around mm-hmm. and he does all these conferences where people just experience the power of God in mm-hmm. insane ways and mm-hmm. uh, tons of healing miracles through his ministry. And I, I went to this conference cause I really, uh, mm-hmm. just wanted to be in, 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 prayed with by him and, he was as he was giving his talk that night. He was sharing about some of the miracles he had experienced. But he's like, "But the greatest miracle! I just want to share the greatest miracle I've ever seen in my entire ministry." And he shares about this time he's praying with a young woman who had a broken heart and um, who had suffered with depression and everything. And mm-hmm. he shares that as he prayed with her, her self harm scars disappeared. And mm-hmm. how like in all over the world, he travels everywhere. He's spoken with hundreds and thousands of people, mm-hmm. seeing all these miracles. He's like, that was the greatest miracle I ever saw. Yeah. And I kind of just sat back like, oh my gosh, like that we've witnessed that miracle multiple times mm-hmm. here at, at Damascus. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like some mm-hmm. crazy, like uh, international revivalist. That's the one actually the Lord's doing that miracle through, but it's our mm-hmm. simple, like 19 year old missionaries where mm-hmm. they'll lay hands on the sick and they recover. And it, I was, I, I was flabbergasted mm-hmm. during worship that night. I was just asking the Lord, like, Lord, what, like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. What are you saying? And <laughs> mm-hmm. I felt like a few different things, you know, I felt mm-hmm. one, I think the Lord's given us particularly um, power and dominion over the, the the demonic spirits that are pla- like plaguing the young generation, anxiety and depression. And the Lord's saying, I'm bringing victory um, over anxiety and depression in the youth of this nation, right? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, but then secondly, it's just that, that everyone gets to play, right? John Wimber used to say, everyone gets to play. Like that it, you don't need to be this international revivalist for yeah. the Lord to desire to use you, but the the Lord wants to use every single one of us mm-hmm. to change the world. Well, yeah, St. Francis Xavier used to say things like that too. He would come back, and I, I have only recently like come across St. Francis Xavier's story, and he's just amazing. He would come back from, from Asia, and he would tell the seminaries in Europe, he's like, you're wasting your time. And again, <laughs> like he wasn't even trying to be prideful. He was simply trying to articulate, and sometimes to probably different degrees of, uh, boldness, but um, like you're wasting your time because like the Lord can use you now, like and and He really needs you in Asia, yeah. like now, you know. And <laughs> it wasn't like let me go through this really long interview process and find all the best ones of you. He's like all of you now <laughs> can be used in Asia, and it was just this like amazing yeah. reflection I had in reading the story that yeah, the Lord He can use you now, 
you know, like you, not like you later when you figure all those things out, not you later when you're a better leader, not yep. you later when you pray more regularly, like you now. So but, yeah, there's know. no, there's no junior Holy spirit. Right? Yeah. Right. 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 And, and a lot of times even, uh, you know, we've talked about this in the show before that, that when, when kids enter into a process of, of learning how to pray in a way that, um, I don't know, is, is some, is different from what we've been raised in, right. That, that they don't have to go through the step of unlearning, like, uh, uh, unlearning habits that, that would, that would position them in opposition to this, mm-hmm. but, but they can, they can actually just step into a place of faith. And I, I think there's a, there's a particular grace, maybe also Dan with, with young people, particularly those who are stepping in at 19 years old and saying yes mm-hmm. to a missionary life that like, there's a, there's a hunger and a desperation and an, and therefore an openness to radical movement of the Holy Spirit that like, you know, of course, mm-hmm. I've, I've given everything away. Like, yeah. let, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I, there is something about the youth, like the young young missionaries with yeah. that desperation and that faithfulness that they have and the, the faith that they have in, in, in miracles. And they, they don't have the same rationality, right? Like where it mm-hmm. isn't like rationality doesn't crush everything, but there's a, a faith. And you see that even more in our middle schoolers and high schoolers, right? Yeah. Because, and, and I, I do, sometimes I listen to these camper testimonies and I struggle, like you said, Brad, with like, is that, did that really we, happen? Because like, they're sharing these camper testimonies and mm-hmm. like so many of them are like, I had a vision <laughs> of Jesus, right? A vision of Mary. I saw angels filling this room and I'm like, yeah, in the spiritual, but they're like, they're sharing mm-hmm, these stories mm-hmm. as if they 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 actually had these mystical yeah. experiences mm-hmm. where like I haven't experienced yeah. that right, and I'm like, well, dang it, like maybe it can't be real. They must be making this up because I haven't had that mystical experience, <laughs> so they can't as a middle schooler have that mystical experience. Mm-hmm. And I had to check myself to be like, no, like the Lord loves young people so much, and He loves the youthfulness, that faith that desperation, that expectation. Mm-hmm. He loves us so much, he just shows up to them. And and they, they are having these insane mystical visions or experiences where they're like, I just felt the hand of God. Like I turned around, I felt the hand, like a hand on my shoulder. I turned around and mm-hmm. no one was there, right? And like the skeptic in us wants mm-hmm. to be like, you're just like, you're just an emotional seventh yeah, grader. Right, right. But realistically, they're, they're yeah. encountering God in powerful mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. I wonder why... I've wondered this for a while, like why that skepticism is in us, you know, like the skepticism to hear someone experience something amazing and the first thought to be doubt. It, it's almost like it, it, it maybe may, I don't, maybe I'm over um, stating that, but it does seem to be this human experience where someone shares something amazing with me. And my natural predisposition is towards doubt. Yeah. My natural predisposition is towards if I believe you and you're not being honest, I'll be made a fool of or something like that. But I, I do, I just don't, I don't see how our faith could have grown the way it did if we just stayed in that skepticism. Like there's been great skeptics throughout the course of the faith that have really defined doctrine and done amazing things. Like, absolutely. But if we would have just stayed in skepticism of like, well, do we really think the 12 actually saw the resurrected Jesus or was it kind of Jesus letting them know he Mm. defeated death by kind of coming to them a little bit in their thought life, which then psychologically helped them to then do the work he wanted them to do, right? Like, no, eventually it was just like, no, the way they're saying it, they ate fish with him. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to believe they ate fish with him. He walked through a wall. I'm going to believe he walked through a yeah. wall. Right. Because if Jesus is who he says he is and can transcend all of this stuff, why couldn't he do that? Instead of asking, why did he do that? Or how could he have done that? Yeah. Why couldn't he do that? Yeah. Like he could do that. And so what, what does it hurt to trust something that at first I might feel untrustworthy? Now, again, there's degrees to all of that, but I wonder where that, I don't know, where that natural inclination to doubt comes from, because I, I, I experience it for sure. I think it's a little bit of, um, so much of our faith is based off of experience. And so if I haven't experienced something, my natural disposition is doubt. And so, I mean, you mm. think about the, mm. uh, I don't doubt the stories of Jesus in scripture or the apostles in scripture because I grew up learning them. And so it's my experience mm. that that is true, right? It's part or of my experience. It's part, yeah, it's part of it. Or, or even I don't doubt the uh, the, the stories of the saints, right? Because they're in a different country and they're doing different things. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced the guy next door, heal the sick and raise the dead. So mm-hmm. that at that point, it's like, Oh, I kind of doubt, like, I don't, I don't 
I don't doubt when I hear that, like, mm-hmm. you know, Joan of Arc had these mystical uh, visions in sure. the chapel because it's Joan of Arc. She's a saint, right? Mm-hmm. But then when the sixth grader <laughs> says it, I'm like, mm, was that really well, yeah. true? Because and I think it's that lack of experience mm-hmm. that it's not, it, it hasn't become normalized to us that God mm-hmm. is showing up. Yeah. All over the world in normal people's lives. And this is, mm-hmm. it used, I, I don't know why it was, but I think God used to, the Holy Spirit used to be poured out um, o- over, like in the early church, he was poured out upon all flesh and he was working on uh, through everyone, right? And and then there's a season in the church history where the Holy Spirit was really working through particular saints in powerful ways. And now there's this new Pentecost that's happening mm-hmm. and he's being poured out upon all flesh in a way that isn't normal to us. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, whoa, this is, this is new, right? And so we yeah. have to like almost normalize yeah. our own expectations of what God is doing mm-hmm. in the world and in the church today. Yeah. Well, Dan, that's what I was going to suggest too, that so faith is a really interesting word in that it's a gift from God, mm-hmm. but it's also a virtue that that we by necessity have to cultivate. Yes. Yeah. So like I can receive the gift of courage, mm-hmm. but courage is also a virtue that I need to like, I need to live a courageous life and right. do courageous things and build mm-hmm. a courageous mm-hmm. Uh, lifestyle within mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to do the same with faith. So, yeah, Brad, as 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 we as we come to those places of realizing, like my inclination right now is skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start engaging actively in such a way that, mm-hmm. like, I can say, all right, uh, my mind, my mind, my thoughts—they're not just something mm-hmm. that happens to me, right? Right. I can engage in a process of a renewal of my mind, mm-hmm. where where I I make active decisions of like, okay. Next mm-hmm. time I hear this, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to actually position myself to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's get into the habit yeah. as, as opposed to, as opposed to just allowing my experience to define yeah. my, uh, the way that I see the world. Yeah. Become the skeptic of the skeptic. That that's what I've been trying to work on in my prayer life is to become a skeptic of the skeptic. So when I, when I hear something, I'm skeptical. Well, I want to be skeptical of that skepticism, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, why, why, why does it stand there? Right? Like I, I want to actually ask in the same way that that's I'm good, like, Brad. I'm did you really experience it that way? It's like, <laughs> well, no, let me challenge you. Who's asking that question. Did he really experience that way? Why would you believe otherwise? Well, because I naturally think people are dishonest. Well, why would you think that? Like there's actually an ability when we are like skeptical towards that initial mm. skepticism that we grow, we really grow because we get, we, we give ourselves the opportunity to learn about ourselves yep. because like there are just naturally things I believe in easier than others. Like if some, and there's particular, there's particular individuals who I attribute that to. And to your point, Dan, I wonder if the Lord actually ever stopped wanting to work in all flesh. I wonder if sometimes we get in such a disposition because of our right ordered theology in Catholicism towards saints that we also, we, um, we also sometimes become, um, like so affirming that they seem otherworldly that like Joan of Arc wasn't ever just Joan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like Ignatius of Loyola was never, you can see what I, where I'm going. Like yeah, I, I think Brad sometimes, of Portsmouth. if your name was Brad of Portsmouth, <laughs> yeah. I would believe does anything, anything good come you. from Nazareth. No, I, I, um, like I, I do just think that there's a, um, there's like a, there's something to that. Yeah. Like when yeah. we elevate even those around us, um, when we elevate them to, some standard that no longer has me have to take responsibility for, I can feel good about mediocrity. Yeah. But when I look to them and I say, it's not that bar just because they're a rare person. It's that bar because when you give your life to the Lord, he can do those things through you. I don't, I don't yeah, know. So I, yeah. I mean, this, this actually really dives into kind of our message today too on like, it's like what we've been talking about the Holy spirit for the last half hour. Like how's that have to do with the Eucharist? And really like, I would like to, us to see the mm. interconnectedness of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Eucharist. So these are the two foundational ways in which the Lord fulfilled his promise, behold, I will be with you always, right? Mm-hmm. The Lord is, uh, he, he keeps all of his promises. And so mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he says, I'm going to be with you forever. And he's with us fully present body, blood, soul, and divinity mm-hmm. in the Holy Eucharist. And the presence of God, the power of God, the 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 God Himself is is fully with us through God, the Holy Spirit, the yeah, outpouring yeah. of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so the this idea that God has remained with us, I think to some extent, our 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 teaching of the faith 
has been limiting um, and it it has become more dogmatic than it has, if you will, um, transformational. We're, right? Where uh, in a sense, we, we, we're teaching the, the dogmas, the doctrines, the principles of our faith without allowing people to understand fully what it means to be a Christian. And that's a little bit of what, you know, Aaron, you shared uh, on our first Eucharistic message, kind of the message you shared with campers this summer on this idea of source and summit. And my my message uh, was on the last day of camp, and I was really sharing about this idea that um, we're all called to be uh, to revival, right? That the revival is bringing the dead things back to life, yeah. and the Lord wants us as His body to to go out and to be revival in the world. And so we just we talked a lot about this nature of. Um, we receive the body of Christ in order to be the body of Christ. And mm-hmm. that that would be cute on a t-shirt or on like a throw pillow, like receive the body, <laughs> be the body, right? Did you, or, have, did you have him repeat after me? No, I, I didn't. I should have. <laughs> yeah, I could have done a lot of cute little things. I was I was doing power preaching though, Aaron. It's like, <laughs> okay. We don't have time for fire. chance right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Typical. But, <laughs> typical. Uh, but I think this idea, I think sometimes we limit, we like when we hear that we are the body of Christ, we totally wipe Pauline theology from that. That like Paul mm-hmm. actually like taught that we are the mystical body of Christ. That this is a mystery that we are through uh, the transformed lifestyle of, of baptism and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we become the body of Christ in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Jesus is his hands, his feet, his mouth, his eyes, his mm-hmm. heart. We 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 assume the mind of Christ so that we can love like Christ. And this mm-hmm. idea that being the body of Christ isn't just this cute, catchy phrase, but to we know that the Eucharist is the real presence, right? Like you have the real presence of Jesus, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. In a mystical way, the mm-hmm. body of Christ, the Christian, is a real presence of Christ in the world, right? That we are Jesus to the world. And I we don't believe that about our brothers and sisters, and we don't believe that about ourselves, and that's why mm-hmm. miracles blow our minds, because mm-hmm. we believe, oh, St. Padre Pio was a, a representation of Jesus mm-hmm. in the world, but mm-hmm. I'm just Dan. You're mm-hmm. just Brad. You're yeah. just Aaron. But if we actually—no, yeah, you're Jesus. Like, you represent—you mm-hmm. have the Spirit of Jesus in you, mm-hmm. and because you have the Spirit of God in you, you actually are, are able to do the works of Jesus, not because you're Aaron, but because mm-hmm. you're recreated in Christ yeah. to be Jesus mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dan. You're yeah, welcome, I, I think Do it. one, one thing that comes to mind when you're saying that too, Dan, and I think you might've been the first person I heard, uh, coin this turn of phrase, but I could be mistaken, but, um, we are so accustomed in the church to being sin conscious and much less accustomed to being sun conscious that like, I'm very aware of the sin in my life. Mm. And I'm very aware that one of Jesus's primary goals for me is to root sin out of my life. But I forget that actually the reason he's rooting sin out of my life is to present me once again to the Father as a son, right? Like he, he came to unite us back to the Father. And when we're sin conscious, what can happen is I can think to myself, well, he's doing great things through those people who no longer have those sins in their life, yeah. right? He's doing great things through all of those who grace has totally washed away every aspect of their concupiscence from. And for me, I'm just like a measly old attender to regular confession and he'll get me eventually. But it's actually both of them at the same time. Like I fall short, of course. Concupiscence is real, of course. But when I'm focused on my sonship, that's actually actually the alternative narrative, Hmm. not this one. The the son narrative is the primary narrative. This alternative narrative that's trying to be woven into my life, I'm rejecting because this is the right one. Whenever I accept this one is the right one, this sinful fallen, I can't be used, like false humility in my estimation, I actually lose sight of the fact that sin's being wiped away so I can be represented to my father as a son who gets an inheritance. That inheritance is the Holy Spirit. It is the Eucharist, which is brought to us by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to transform everything, including bread, into Jesus. And so I I don't know, I, I, I gather that from what you're saying is... Um, that, I don't know, that dichotomy, which I think is a false dichotomy. Yeah. I can understand that there's sin in my life and understand my sonship in parallel, yeah. getting rid of the one so the other can thrive. But I'm not wanting to get rid of the son so the <clears throat> sin conscious thing can thrive. I'm wanting to root that 
Yeah, if you're like, so okay, other... is God going to use me? Well, you take a piece of bread and you put it on the altar, yeah. and, and you call the Holy Spirit down upon that piece of bread, and it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, yes. right? Yes. And then we're There's like, a couple but more if steps. I place my own life, <laughs> but if I place my own life on the altar uh, through baptism, mm-hmm. and you call the Holy Spirit upon me, I, I all of a sudden go to this disposition yeah. of doubt that God isn't going to transform me. And right. that's, uh, I, I really like calling Christianity the transformed lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. there's so many different words and like these phrase, like become the best version of yourself. And the first time I heard that, I was like, I don't know if I like that. I want to become the person God created me to be. And now it's like, I don't even want to become the person God. Like I want to become Jesus. Like that is mm-hmm. the, tra- the Christianity is, is the matter of, of, having sin weeded out of our lives and we get transformed into the mm-hmm. sun. And mm-hmm. when we're baptized, we don't, we, we use the phraseology that we become sons and daughters of Christ. Right. But realistically we, we become the, like we, mm-hmm. we are sons. We, we, because we share in his sonship. And, mm-hmm. and so it's the sonship of Jesus that is, ha, has become, if you will, my new recreated identity mm-hmm. through baptism and the Holy spirit infuses me in the same, like, uh, my lifestyle, so the through the Holy Spirit, I'm able to live the lifestyle of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aaron, when when you think about the transformed lifestyle, how would you exp- like? How do you explain the the person being transformed to not only be a son of God, but mm-hmm. also to do the work of the Son of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I've, I've, I'm trying to not prepare my answer before you ask the question. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, th- I think what it, what it brings me back to, Dan, is that is that Jesus, like Jesus, only calls us on missions that are impossible. Mm-hmm. That there's there's nothing that that you or I can do in this world on account of ourselves, mm-hmm. or or else this wouldn't be a very exciting place to be. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That that every every invitation we have to mission is an invitation to something impossible. It's an invitation to uh, living a living a transformed life and. And ultimately, it's because Jesus he actually likes to share his mission with us. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we uh, that, that we like to talk about, you know, um, I, I use this as an intro to many of my my sessions that I'll give. That oftentimes mm-hmm. we will believe that, uh, you know, God will use me, but reticently because he's not here to do it himself. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. if he were here, certainly he would take over because he's much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just that's not the example that Jesus shows us. That, that actually, like, he started calling his disciples into mission in the world, um, not as a plan B because it was evident that the soldiers were coming for him, but, like, this was his mission all along. Mm-hmm. It was it was to transform the world through the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you see you see when some of the, the great miracles that happened in Scripture, uh, um, Peter, James, and John, they come back and they, and they ask, like, Lord, do you want us to call down fire? Uh, the, the reason that they were able to ask that question is because Jesus actually sent them ahead of him to work miracles, signs, and wonders, mm-hmm. not out of necessity and not out of the not because of the fact that he was gone, mm-hmm. but this was a part of the plan. Yeah. Even while Jesus was still there, he sent the apostles ahead to do the dirty work of delivering demons and, mm-hmm. and healing the sick. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's he's still here and he right. still sends us. And it, right. it's it it almost makes sense, like because as a dad, I could complete a project by myself, but I'd rather include my children in the completion of that project with me, yeah. because then their mm-hmm. joy is more complete, it's much less efficient, <laughs> yeah, much right, less right, efficient, right, 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 but a lot more fun, <laughs> a lot more fun, and and it and it does something for them, yeah. right? And yeah. and I that's exactly like that fatherhood was planted in us by the father himself, yeah. and so that's the way he's that's raising awesome. us that. He mm-hmm. could he could finish the work of evangelization and redeeming the world by himself, through himself, for himself, but he mm-hmm. chooses to involve his sons and daughters because that's what's best for us, and he wants our joy yeah. to be complete. Yep, agree because he, he likes it. So yes, I, I did have he prefers some, it. I did have some chants with the campers this summer. Okay, tell I, me. I, so I did. I, I we we were chanting Luke four right where Jesus unrolls the scroll and. Uh, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach uh, good news to the poor, yeah. recovery mm-hmm. of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year of favor, right? And so I would have them uh, chant those words as because Jesus, he unrolls the the, the scroll and he, he proclaims this word and then he, you know, mic drop moment for Jesus, like mm-hmm. today this word has been fulfilled in your midst mm-hmm. and that he, Jesus... Uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon him, and and the spirit of the Lord has appoint, anointed him 
to Mm -hmm. preach good news to the poor, to bring Mm -hmm. recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed Mm -hmm. free. And, and, but through baptism and through confirmation, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we actually step into that place with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. I had the campers say the the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not just the spirit of the Lord isn't just upon Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to mm-hmm. to to preach good news to the mm-hmm. poor, the recovery awesome. of sight to the blind. And and to have those kids really claim that. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times we as Christians we believe it kind of theologically, but we don't claim it, right? That mm-hmm. we actually don't claim that because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I think sometimes we don't even really claim that. Like mm-hmm. we believe, oh, we're temples of the Holy Spirit yeah. or we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but no, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this, like the spirit of the Lord descended upon Jesus. And after the spirit of the Lord descended upon Jesus, miracles started flowing forth through Jesus's life. So if I believe the spirit of the Lord has descended upon me, mm-hmm. miracles will flow forth through me. Mm-hmm. And um, and to see those the campers like really... Uh, own that is mm-hmm. is a critical part of allowing my life to go from encounter with Jesus to mission with Jesus. That's right. Yeah, it, it's also important to recognize that the the Spirit being upon me actually gives me access to the good news that Jesus was proclaiming. Like when Jesus says the Spirit is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor, well, Brad's the poor, and the good news is that the rich has made his dwelling amongst us, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the good news, like that's why I love that Jesus says it's fulfilled in your hearing. Because the good news, I didn't proclaim good news, I just unrolled a scroll and read you these lines. But the good news is that I'm here. Yeah, It's fulfilled because I'm here. Like eyes are being opened because I'm here. Mm-hmm. The year of the Lord being favorable is right because I'm here. Here, yeah. like I love that because it, he doesn't go on a long sermon after that. He doesn't like give you these verses and then tell you everything it means. He goes, "It's been fulfilled in your hearing at the moment of your hearing." Here it is. The fulfillment of that is me, and he gives us himself in the Eucharist, right? And and the Holy Spirit's job in our lives is to make us more like the Jesus who becomes present in the Eucharist. Yeah, and that's um, that's just the best. Yeah, it's the greatest adventure you could ever live. It's the greatest thing to give your life to. So I, the St. Ephraim, he said, uh, he who eats the Holy, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. He who eats the Holy Eucharist eats fire, mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is a great, <laughs> it's just a good t-shirt slogan. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we, we got all these t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, this idea that when, when I receive the Eucharist, I receive like all the, the all of God, mm-hmm. right. And the mm-hmm. fire of God. And, um, in my own life, it was funny. I, um, I was young in my kind of conversion and young in the charismatic renewal. And I was over at a friend's house and they were like, um, well, you know, just normal conversation in the basement of a friend's house. And they're like, so Dan, have you been baptized in the Holy spirit? Mm-hmm. And, and, and first time I've ever heard this phrase. And I was like, well, well, what's that mean? <laughs> like what's baptism in the Holy spirit. And they just started explaining baptism in the Holy spirit and the words that they had. And they're like, well, it's, it's, it's when the Holy spirit who was poured out upon you in the sacraments becomes real and tangible in your life where the Holy mm-hmm. spirit kind of mm-hmm. the gifts of the Holy spirit start manifesting themselves in your life. And, and I started to think, and uh, I was living life filled with the Holy spirit at that time in my estimate, sure. but I was like, well, when did that happen? Like, and it, it was interesting for me. I, I looked at them. I said, oh, yeah, I, I had an experience one time at Mass where the gifts of the Holy Spirit erupted in my life. And I think for for most people, when we when we hear the phrase baptism, Holy Spirit, it often comes from like I'm at a prayer meeting and uh, someone lays hands on me and they pray mm-hmm. for an outpouring mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit and uh, and the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are erupted in my life. For me, the experience was very much as connection with the Eucharist and the Holy Spirit that I, I struggled my senior year of high school with faith in the Eucharist. And I, I doubted whether or not the real presence was, was true. Um, and to, to the extent that I was, I was thinking that I was probably just going to leave the church when I was, when I graduated because Protestantism seems so fun. And some of these non-denominational groups, they were so filled with the Holy spirit and so on, on fire for love of Jesus. And, and I wanted that. And, um, but I didn't experience that in my normal Catholic upbringing. And, uh, I was at mass. It was a daily mass. I hadn't believed in the Eucharist or I was at least uh, struggling mm-hmm. with belief in the Eucharist. And, um, and, and that morning I had read a lot. Someone like prepped me, like gave me a bunch of readings, uh, <laughs> from, of, you know, they gave me John chapter six, which I had never really read with faith and, uh, some writings of John Paul II. 
So my heart, my my intellect was starting to get behind this concept yeah. of the Eucharist. But but to your point, Brad, I still doubted. There was skepticism. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember daily mass going to receive the Eucharist. And I, I just prayed a very simple prayer. Lord, I believe there's this intellectual ascent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. Like I believe intellectually. I'm, I'm trying to ass- give assent here. And... Um, but there was this skepticism, this unbelief. So I mm-hmm. believe helped my unbelief. And when I received the Eucharist that day, it was like scales fell for, from my eyes and, mm-hmm. and, and I was filled with faith. But then what happened afterward was, was so cool that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit just were, were magnified in my life. Yeah. I loved scripture and I knew scripture all of a mm-hmm. sudden more out of nowhere. I, I knew how to defend the teachings of the church more than mm-hmm. I, I knew beforehand. I, I, I had the courage to overcome my sin mm-hmm. and to, to challenge my friends for their sinfulness. It was like the gifts of yep. wisdom, knowledge, understanding, fear of God, reverence, courage, all of those They're were, real. were coming alive. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it was as this girl and, and, you know, in my friend's basement had asked, you know, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I was like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That when I received the Eucharist in faith, the, the Holy Spirit erupted in my life. Mm-hmm. And so this connection between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Eucharist, they they go hand in hand. The more I receive the Eucharist with faith, the more I can submit myself to becoming Christ, the one filled with the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, Christ, the anointed one, right? Mm-hmm. It's just really, um, it's it's amazing that the Holy Spirit wants to transform us in such a significant way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dan, I can just witness like there was a there was a transformation not only in your own spirit during that time because I was able to live that with you, but mm-hmm. but it, transformation and mission. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it was there was a there was a dramatic shift there in in your uh, capacity to respond and and the fruit that that flowed forth from that. So. I think it's a it's a great joy that you know we can we can anticipate that when we actually step into a place of of acknowledging, all right, God, maybe, maybe there was a a reason mm-hmm. like that you that you called us to this place. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason that uh, you know, one of the simple things you know when you sit when you sit in the presence of the sun, you get sunburned. Like I don't have mm-hmm. to I don't have to actually mm-hmm. um, engage in an intentional process of. Uh, healing when I mm-hmm. receive medication, like the 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 process is putting myself in the presence of something that heals, putting mm-hmm. myself in the presence mm-hmm. of someone who transforms. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the Lord offers us this this beautiful gift that's like, hey, I knew you were going to screw things up. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going to be incapable on your own. Um, mm-hmm. So so I've actually built in a cheat code where like I'm I'm calling you to receive the source and summit of Christian life on a on a weekly basis or more, mm-hmm. so that so that like this could be your sustenance right so that i could be your sustenance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and, uh, uh, a sacrament is an outward sign of an invisible reality and so the eucharist is a beautiful outward sign if mm-hmm. i don't believe that i'm a temple of the holy spirit right yeah. good then, good then the lord's like yeah. i'm just going to give you another outward sign to yeah. believe that yeah. you're going to consume me mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. inside yeah. of you so you're going to be a temple of the of God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and fire is going. The fire yeah. of God will enter you mm-hmm. and transform you from within. And go to the second part of the definition that imparts grace. That it gives grace. That, that exactly, it imparts yeah. grace in my life to actually live out like what I've been being asked to live out my whole life without the full capacity in my estimation to do. You know. And I, I think, um, hmm. man, there's so much is stirring as you guys are talking back and forth on that because I think what happens in my mind, I think it's just because by nature, I'm just unifying. I love trying to find where we can build bridges. And I do see with the Holy Eucharist and with the Holy Spirit, a lot of times in the church, people that are really excited about one aren't as excited about the other. <laughs> like I, I see a lot of a lot of people in my life who um, fall in love with Holy Spirit and all that Holy Spirit's doing on the earth, and they start tending towards non-denominationalism. Because because it's like oh this is so exciting you even mentioned it I'm sorry I guess like in your your like senior year right because there's yeah. a there's a move of the Holy Spirit there's a love of Jesus in in word and in deed and I'm seeing this so alive and then over here there's like yes but the Eucharist is Jesus and so everything around Jesus the solemnness of the sacrament the surround you can see what I'm saying but like it's actually both that bring the greatest joy and the greatest 
adventure and the greatest life that you could ever live when you, when you couple the two. Now, again, neither side like would absolutely, um, disassociate from the other, like the, the ones centered on the Eucharist wouldn't say that the Holy Spirit's not active, but they, they wouldn't live as if they believe that I don't think as often. And then over here, they wouldn't say that the Eucharist isn't real, but it'd be like, but Holy Spirit in the here and now is what's, and it's like, no, it, it, it can actually be both. It really yeah. can. There's actually a unifying presence here, which is why I love your testimony that actually the Eucharist that was brought to us through the hands of the priest by the power of yep. the Holy Spirit. Yep. Like, let's not, let's not, let's, let's not forget not that, that 300,000 <laughs> miracles happen every day uh-huh. in the Holy Mass. Like, if, if we're a church that's like, you know, miracles stopped with the apostles, well, we're not a church of that because we're not cessationist. And that's, <laughs> that's because literally Holy Spirit says, all right, Jesus <laughs> represented on the altar now. Great. Yeah. Like, that's amazing, right? And in the same way, when we receive Jesus, Holy Spirit's like, I, I'm i not taking up residence here, and I want to move in and through you. So I guess uh, that all kind of culminates with a question. Do you guys see that as well sometimes, like the the tendency to, to migrate towards one almost in absence of the other sometimes, at least in, in hunger and excitement. I, I think I can see it sometimes, but I think it's maybe the, I'm over the struggle it. and everyone struggles with this. The, uh, everyone in ministry that's trying to do it right struggles with this, this, the struggle between the spontaneity and the freedom that the Holy spirit brings mm-hmm. and the order and the structure that ritual brings. And so mm-hmm. when you introduce mm-hmm. Eucharistic adoration, right. There's a lot of times a fear that, oh man, we can't have Eucharistic adoration during worship because we're mm-hmm. somehow going to limit the freedom and the spontaneity of the spirit. Where because, And on the other side, it might not be as reverent to the Lord. Exactly. The, and and we're, we're always engaging in dialogue because we value the two so much. We value the importance of the Holy Spirit and, and a, cry, a cry out in desperation for the Spirit of God to fall more and more mm-hmm. and the Holy Eucharist to be present. Because we hunger for that, we also and we hunger for spontaneity and order, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And um, so that it, it's a, that tough balance. And I think because we're willing as a ministry to fight with and struggle with and move into that balance and how to do that well, a lot of people just aren't willing to have those conversations. Yeah. And so I think that's just the practical struggle, right? Yeah, I want, yeah, yeah. but there's something beautiful about this idea that. I can worship the living God who's outside of me. And I, mm-hmm. I, re- I recognize that the Jesus Christ present in the Eucharist is other, mm-hmm. other, right? Mm-hmm. That there is something in adoration. He is outside of me. And at the same time, I can celebrate the fact that God is inside of me. And mm-hmm. in this midst of, and, and you see throughout human history, the last 2000 years, there's times where man truly understood that God was outside. And then there was a subjective yeah. turn that made man made himself God. And that's what we're struggling with right now. Like man has made himself God, yeah. right? And we have to mm. we have to get back to that God is outside of me, and yet yeah, at the same yeah, time he's yeah. within me. Yeah, like the earth is the center of the universe type uh, misconception, yeah. right? Um, when you were speaking that, think about Genesis. This is interesting, right? And I was trying to connect the two in my head, and I, I think maybe I did, but maybe I didn't. At the beginning, what is hovering over the tohu vabohu? The spirit. The spirit. Like wait, say it again. No, I, well, I, I'm not. Well, no, but I'm not. I'm not like a Hebrew <laughs> scholar. I think it's the tohu vabohu is like the 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 chaotic waters, right? I've like never at the beginning. I'm pretty I sure mean, those I just are the want words you, for it. No, I so, believe you sorry. completely. But um, I want you to say it again three so, times fast. Tohu vabohu. Tohu vabohu. Tohu vabohu. <laughs> um, that was the best moment of my at life. At the beginning <laughs> in Genesis, the. The, I, I think Go, I was going to work. If someone, no, if someone out there you. is like a Hebrew scholar, please correct me. <laughs> but um, it but it's uh, and beat me up. But um, the chaotic waters at the beginning. Okay. What is stirring over the chaotic waters? The spirit of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There is something spontaneous and somewhat chaotic about the spirit. Mm-hmm. The thing that brings order to that chaos is the word of God. Yep. Hmm. Jesus. Hmm. Right. So like. The spirit was hovering over chaotic waters mm. and wasn't intimidated by the chaos of the waters. Mm-hmm. Wasn't like, you know what, like shouldn't be present to this chaos. Yep. Like there's something about the spirit that was stirring something. There's something about us too. Like yeah. I, I'm scared out of my mind at a storm on the sea, but it's also one of the coolest things I've ever watched on oh, video. Yeah. It's like, there's something, there's something about that. Anyway, long story short, what I'm trying to connect is to your point, mm-hmm. Dan, the spontaneity, that chaos that comes from Holy Spirit at times, what brings order to that but the spoken word of God, Jesus? 
that actually the reason it's so beautiful to like call upon the Holy Spirit in the presence of Eucharistic adoration is because whatever chaos this um, invitation brings into me, I know where it anchors. Yeah. Like I, I know the path forward. Mm. And so I don't know, there's some, there's some kind of connection there. I mean, that's from the very beginning. That's the very first part of Genesis. Yeah. And it's also the very reality we've now lived for 2000 years. And I think at times we have a fear that too much order won't allow me to be the unique individual I was made to be. And, and too much spontaneity will take us away from order. And then we won't have anything to hearken back to. Yeah. I don't know if it has to be that. It can be both. No, I think it course. is that anchor for yeah. sure. And I, I love that, the, the, the two of them combining. I, I was in the, um, my message to the campers is if you want to live this life of a revivalist, or if you want to live the lifestyle of Jesus in the world and effectively, effectively be the body of Christ, mm-hmm. um, how do you do it? How, how, how do you sustain that life? Like what, like you're leaving camp. Like if, if, what are the two, I was, I think it's the upper room lifestyle. The two significant things happen in the upper room, the institution of the Holy mass and the outpouring of the Holy spirit, that there was something significant about the upper room where Mm -hmm. Jesus gave us the Holy Eucharist and Jesus gave us the Holy spirit. And so if I'm going to live a lifestyle Mm -hmm. to to be deployed into mission, like Jesus was deploying his apostles into mission at the very end of his life, the mm-hmm. way he prepared them for deployment was the Holy Eucharist and the Holy Spirit. And that if I want to be a, a revivalist and I want to be a deployed missionary, the way I stay anchored mm-hmm. is through a dependency on the Holy Spirit and a fresh outpouring all the time and in the presence of the Eucharist, the Holy Eucharist. I was uh, just uh, beautiful in preparation for this message to the campers that um, so often we look in a mirror, and when I look in a mirror, I see me, right? Like I see my own weaknesses, my flaws, my sins, my mm-hmm. my shortcomings. You know, you look in a mirror, you're like, ah, I wish this was nicer. I need a haircut. You know, like mm-hmm. all of this. Um, and and then, but if if when we go to Eucharistic adoration, we make the monstrance our mirror. We, mm. we discover who we're truly called to be. Mm-hmm. That when mm-hmm. I look at Jesus and I, I I adore him in the Eucharist, I sh- I should, I'm looking in a mirror that in Christ Jesus, I am meant to be transformed into him. And, mm-hmm. and that's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, and it's hard to believe, but it's what we, it, it is the essence of what we believe yeah. that I am mm-hmm. called to become another Christ. And so when I look in the mirror at my house, I'm actually looking at not who I am truly called to hmm. be. But when I go to adoration, I discover me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't just mm-hmm. look at Jesus. I look at me mm-hmm. and everything he's transformed me to become. Mm-hmm. That's good, Dan. Because he is in me and I am in him. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, so many of, of the distractions of our of our culture today and, you know, this experience of like, I, I've got to... I've got to figure out my own identity. I've got to work it all out. I've got to, mm-hmm. I've got to find my place in the world and where I feel comfortable. And like all of that falls away when I realize I was never called to figure mm-hmm. out my own identity in the first place. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I simply have to, I have to realize who I am as a reflection of him. Yeah. 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 What about um, just the idea that Jesus, like <laughs> he, he, he said that like, we're, we're going to grow to be like him by following the words he's spoken to us. And then he says, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, right? That, that the entire history of the church, the tradition, the dogma and doctrine the words that Jesus spoke as they've unfolded hmm. have been held up by the spirit and the life source. They've been, they've been held up by the Holy spirit and they've been held up by life himself in the Eucharist that the words he did speak to us hmm. are spirit in life. They're guardrailed by spirit in life and they're distributed to us by spirit in life that, that both came to us in the upper room. Right? Yeah. So Jesus in, in a very prophetic way is letting us know that like everything that you're going to come back to with my words and what my church is teaching, all of those wrestles you have come back to spirit and life. So where is the spirit? Where, where, where the Holy spirit is, yeah. right? There is freedom there. So where, where I experience freedom, I can trust the spirits there. So there's spirit and then life, where is life at? Where there's a source and where there's a summit. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a place for that, right? Mm-hmm. At the, at mm-hmm. the table of the Lord. So I, I think there's a, a profundity to recognizing that the Holy Spirit is turning me more into the representation of Jesus I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And when I go to the Eucharist, I begin seeing all the other aspects of Jesus that I'm not being developed into, and that's why I look to my 
like left and right, and I start yeah. seeing these other images of Jesus, which is the power of a movement, which we talk well, about all the time. I've been trying to this idea of the Holy Spirit transforming in, into mm-hmm. the representation of Christ. I've been asking, like Jesus, what would your disposition be like? Like if you like mm-hmm. when you walk the earth, what was your disposition? Because my disposition is like it, it you know, and like I want to like pray, like what part of my disposition? As like an Italian that has an opinion about things, like <laughs> what is that is is holy and what needs to be transformed still? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I was just when I was praying into that, what's the disposition of of Jesus? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So the fruit of the right. Holy Spirit in Galatians five is peace, love, joy, gentleness, generosity, kindness, faithfulness, patience, and self control. And so mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. if that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and Jesus is one who is anointed and animated by the Spirit of God then the the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the disposition of Christ. And if I want the disposition of Christ, I desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit to come out of me. And mm-hmm. um, so the, the more I cling to Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the more I become the image of Christ in the world. The more yeah, I, I cling to Holy Spirit, the more I become the body of Christ in the world, And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting reality. Aaron, what's, what's on your heart and mind right now? Uh, you know, I have a... I have a deep love for the for the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and I was just I was thinking, you know, it's the the gifts that the Spirit gives are are sufficient for um, for living the Christian life. You know, the the gifts that the Spirit gives. I was I was thinking through, you know, knowledge and wisdom and and understanding and and right judgment and courage and and wonder and awe. Um, that that when we when we enter into this place of of uh, accepting the grace that the Lord gives us, all of a sudden the things in our life that were once difficult become easy. And um, Brad, I love, I love the connection that you made between the, the, the word that the Lord gives being spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. And that when we, when we receive the grace of the Holy Spirit, when we receive the grace of the sacrament, that, that this is like, there's nothing more that we, that we need that we can't find fulfilled in him. Mm-hmm. So, just so good. It's 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 like you know, are are we are we developing any new theology here on Beyond Damascus? Mm-hmm. Are we developing a new theology here at Catholic Summer Camp? No, no. But we're witnessing to what to what life can look like in 2022 when you realize that the same thing that Jesus said on a plane one time and outside yep. of Capernaum yep. Yep. is the yep. same thing that's real today. Yeah. When well, isn't it funny that like and when Jesus is speaking, right? He says that my, my life, my words to you, there's spirit in life, spirit in truth. Well, the way, the truth, and the life, of course, right? Yeah. Which find their culmination in one place. And so, yeah, there's something um, there's something about it that's just simply recognizing the mystery that our church has always found beauty in. It's not like a an invention of ours at this table for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I love that one. Draw uh, to close. Uh, draw to a close. Uh, draw to <laughs> a conclusion. A conclusion. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think it would be really fun to end with a, a really powerful testimony um, that I experienced. There was this woman who uh, in Youngstown is on a mission yeah. and she had stage four cancer and she's a mother of like five children. And um, she came to the mission. She's uh, actually her friend drug her to the mission to get prayed with. And um, she, after, after the mission night, we go to the chapel, uh, the Eucharistic chapel and we're praying just for the Holy spirit to fall on her and as we're praying for the Holy Spirit to fall, she starts to cry and, and weep. And I just asked her, what are you experiencing right now? She had this vision of the father picking her up and just holding her as as his daughter. And I often say baptism of the Holy Spirit is a tangible sign of the father's love in your life. And so like that's hmm. she was just experiencing baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? This tangible sign of the father's love. And then I said, okay, as as you rest in the father's arms, ask him, how do you want to heal this cancer? And the father shared with her, uh, receive the Eucharist every day. Um, and she, so she started going to daily mass and she would take her chemo pill or whatever it was, um, right before mass and then go and receive the Eucharist. And within four weeks of going to mass every day to, to the date, four weeks later, um, she was completely cancer free and totally Mm -hmm. healed. Um, and, I just think it's so beautiful that the the as she experienced this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in her life, the Lord welcomed her into a deeper love of Him in the Eucharist, and mm-hmm. yeah. and that's how He brought healing. It doesn't always come in an instant. Uh, the first time we ask, it, it the Lord He wants us to cling to Him, to be dependent on Him, and and to bring us deeper into Himself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Aaron, would you want to close us? I would love to. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, God, you've spoken a message consistent through time and you've transformed lives through generations and you're transforming lives today. We're grateful for the witness that we're able to see here at Catholic Youth Summer Camp this summer uh, through missions across the United States of America and the world. And Jesus, we trust you in the work that you're doing in spectacular ways in other people to do it in us as well. So I pray, Lord, that you would continue to transform our lives through an encounter with you, the source and summit of Christian faith through the Eucharist. Lord, that, that, you, would, uh, that you would, as we receive, let us receive fire, that our hearts, our lives would be transformed to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. If you didn't know, we also have uh, YouTube videos. And so if you haven't checked out our YouTube videos, check this episode out on YouTube mm-hmm. because early in the episode, I took a sip of coffee when it was still really hot yeah. and, I, and I made a uh, face where like it burnt my mouth. So if you haven't checked us out on YouTube, do that. You can see my so own facial funny. reactions while I'm burning myself in the midst of talking mm-hmm. to Aaron and Brad. Also, please like share, subscribe, whatever you do with podcasts to help us evangelize more people. Yeah. And if this episode blessed you, please share it with another person so that it can bless them as well. Join us next week on beyond Damascus.